The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod and we're coming to you live. It is Thursday, September 9th, 2021. I have to check the date because it feels like the dates are flying by. But thrilled to be here with you guys on this wonderful Thursday morning and to be with you live. I'm so excited to be here and have this time to spend with you guys. We've got a very special guest that's coming up later on in the hour. Good morning, Poker King. Uh, Bonnie Yates, special education attorney, is going to be here. If you have questions, you should be sending them to us ahead of the show, but uh, send them in now. If we can't get them to them today, we'll get to them next week. Uh, but Bonnie also likes to have the question beforehand so she can look some things up because, you know, there's different case law for different things, you know. So feel free to be writing those questions in, which reminds me that this show is meant to be interactive. We want to hear from you. We want to know your thoughts your questions, your feelings, your concerns. So there's lots of different ways you can be watching us live. Right now, we're live on YouTube, we're live on Twitter, we're live on Facebook. We're also live on our homepage, autism-live.com and a bunch of other sites as well. But I mentioned those, the first three, especially because we have an interface that allows us, if you are on Facebook and you write a question in on Facebook, it shows up here on my screen, but it also shows up if you're writing it on Twitter or YouTube so that we can get to your questions really quickly and efficiently. And I don't have to be on 35 different sites, which drags my computer down. Uh, so we encourage you to be writing in like Poker King did. Uh, and he said, good morning. Tell us if you're watching and where you're watching and what you want to see more of here on Autism Live. We're very interested in that. We have some big news uh, coming up about Autism Live and the future of Autism Live that uh, I can't share right now. I could, but then, I, you know, they'd have to kill me. Not you, me. Uh, so <laughs> you know how that goes. But stay tuned because there's some big things in the works uh, that I'm very, very excited about. So uh, that's super thrilling. I know you guys have been worried because we took some time off and, but, things are happening. Uh, there's Debbie. Debbie, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm sending you one, one, one love. Uh, so thrilled that you're here. So see how that works, you guys. You can just say hello, and then we get to shout out back at you. If you are watching this sometime in the future, anytime in the future, want to remind you that there, you, we still want to hear from you. We still want to know your thoughts and your feelings. All of our shows, by the way, uh, we're a free podcast. All of our shows are recorded and they're podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're a free download. We are the number one rated autism podcast worldwide right now. And that is because of all of you, because you've watched, you've liked, you've shared. 
we don't have a marketing budget, so we count on you guys to tell others. If you're finding something here that you think is worthwhile, please tell people. It is free, uh, which is a very exciting thing. But you can always write in your questions to us, even if you're watching recorded. For instance, you can write in questions on the actual YouTube video if you're watching on YouTube, but you can always send your questions in to us. Good morning, Parker. Uh, Parker just, it's like he can read my mind. He just put up, uh, for those of you watching on Facebook, he put up the, the website autism-live.com. There is a chat button at the bottom. It's not an interactive chat. Yes, that is on my Christmas list of things that would be nice if we could respond back to whoever wrote. We don't have the ability to do that, but we talk back to you. So if you write in a question, be specific about what video you watched, even um, to say who the guest was and potentially what year it was so that we get a reference point. And then we will try to respond in the show. How's that? You can also always email me directly at s.penrod at autism-live.com. I love to get viewer email. That's a really fun thing. We are, I have to say, perpetually behind uh, because so many of you write in and that's a wonderful, wonderful problem to have. But I ask, first of all, that you guys, thank you, Parker. Parker is like our, our assistant here. Uh, the unpaid, fabulous assistant. Uh, so, uh, but I, I, uh, I, I love that. I just so appreciate that so much, Parker. We're we're on the same team here. Um, but I, I hope that you guys will participate. I hope that you will write in. I hope that you will let your thoughts and feelings and concerns be heard. All right. Having said all of that, I do like to remind everybody whenever I get the opportunity to that we try to fill this show with experts and expertise. I am not an expert though. Always wanna remind all of you that my role here is that I'm a very proud mom of an individual who was diagnosed with autism as a child. And uh, I know that I made a promise and a deal and a prayer, I guess, I don't know which one you wanna call it, but I was on my knees like a lot of us end up getting at some point saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do and I don't want to fail at this. Right. And that was a very desperate plea um, that, that I did on that very early morning. And I said, please help me to know what to do to help support my son. Please help me so that I don't fail him in this moment. Please help me in whatever way that I need to be known and make me strong enough to be able to do whatever I can do. And I promise that I will help whoever I can on the other side. Help me to help my kid, and I promise I will pay it forward. So that's part of why I'm here. That's part of what my mission is on this planet, is to pay that forward, to help whoever I can. I'm one person, and, you know, at the show, it's it's basically me and Traven at this moment. So we appreciate the assist, Parker. Um, but we want to help you to get to the things that you need. This is not a one-size-fits-all um, world. And in fact, it's very diverse world. So we can't read your mind. Tell us what it is that you're looking for. We'll do our level best. That's what my, my promise is to you. We'll do our best to find out what we can. All right. Uh, I also want to let you know that, uh, you know, as I said, we have experts that are on the show. I, I want to reiterate, not one of them, but I'm always going to be on the side of, uh, making sure that individuals on the spectrum 
get the respect and the opportunities that they so richly deserve. That's what this show is about. We provide information and inspiration to that larger autism community starts with those individuals on the spectrum. We want to hear them. We want to listen to them. We want to support them. We want to uh, not only be aware, but be allies um, to those individuals and get help to give them a space for a voice. Um, but we also, in that conversation, want to include all the people that love those individuals. We're hoping that at some point that becomes the entire world. But that's what this show is for, individuals on the spectrum and individuals who love individuals on the spectrum so that we can help you guys to get to the progress that you are looking for and that you richly deserve, right? So that's why we're here. That's who we are. That's what we're doing. Just don't confuse me with the experts. Yes, I have a very strident voice and <laughs> it sounds like I, I must know what I'm talking about, which is usually not the case, um, but I'm passionate about this subject for reasons that I just outlined for you. Um, and I'm just going to say a very quick thing that my son has been working. He, he worked two summers ago and then this summer he worked for the Ed Asner Family Center as a camp counselor. And... Uh, when Joanne Laura was alive, she would always say to me, you know, a J-O-B, a J-O-B is the right of every individual. And that when you, when, uh, when you give a person a J-O-B, it gives them self-esteem and it gives them a seat at the table, right? That was what Joanne's thing was. And I would go, okay, yeah, mm -hmm, okay. I didn't really get it on the cellular level until the day that my son held his first paycheck and he looked at it and he said, oh my goodness, this changes everything. Mom, do you understand? This changes everything. And I said, sure, yeah. And he was like, no, knowing that I am, I can go do something and I'm good at it and I'm valued and I can, and I get paid for it. And now I can take that money and do things that I want with it. This changes everything. And in that moment, I, I got it totally on the cellular level. And so then of course, uh, he, he, you know, was going to work for them again. The pandemic happened. You know, we all know that story, right? But this summer he was a camp counselor again, and that was great. But now, uh, the other day he started a new job, which I can't really talk about, but I'll, but I'll talk about it after the fact in November, I'll tell you all about it. But, um, he started a new job, which, you know, new people don't know him, don't know his story. And I was like, <laughs> I was a nervous wreck. And, and he's loving it and um and it's just fabulous and it just reminds me how important a job is for everyone as joanne would say that you know the right to a job does not have to do with you know what your diagnosis is what your iq is what your skill level is everybody has a right to a job because that's how we get a seat for everyone at the table so so excited about it uh, and Poker King has said, uh, out of topic, I heard special needs group homes won't allow couples, but if we are married, can they have a right to refuse anybody in their home, uh, going through a long distance relationship right now? I don't know about that. Um, I definitely will put some time into that to see if that is a thing. I think that most of the times when there is a group home living situation, they have specific guidelines and probably they're allowed to go by those specific guidelines but i would be willing to bet you that if there is a married couple that you would be able to find a group home situation that would maybe give you a waiver for that because i don't think they would want to discriminate against a married couple i think that they have very specific guidelines about relationships that aren't 
like it was a legal relationship and it's married, I think that sets it aside than being boyfriend, girlfriend, because they don't want to have the liability of, you know, all the things that could happen that you've set up a group home and you're a couple and then you split up, which is not to say that you can't do that if you're married, but it takes a lot longer and it's a lot more difficult to do. So, um, you know, uh, I will look into that, but I would think if you find the, the situation that you're looking for, um, that you, there would be a way to work it out. And I personally know at least one person who um, is on the spectrum that was in a relationship with another person that they were married and they were in an assisted living situation that was designed um, not for individuals on the spectrum, but was designed for um, communities that were uh, primarily elderly, but included people of uh, diverse uh, neurodivergent and other things. And, um, and they were in that situation, I believe it was in Florida, if I remember correctly. So I, I know that it's a possibility. Let's say that. Okay. Um, but anyway, we digress. Not really, because it was sort of on topic. Uh, all right. So it is time, my friends, for one of our favorite segments of the show, uh, where we do jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani, nani, are those experts talking about? First, we give you the actual definition. Then we give you a working definition, which often makes the experts crazy. Um, and you know, almost as crazy as the fact that we make fun of the actual definition. But then we try to give you an example so that you get an idea of what, what are we really talking about, right? And I just want us all to remember to be loving and kind to ourselves. If you don't get it the first time, don't, don't sweat it because we go back over these over time. And I really think hearing about it, then experiencing it, and then hearing about it again is when you really get this, it starts to cement in and you go, okay, I think I, think I might have a, an understanding of what it is she was talking about. So be kind to yourself. If you don't get it the first time or you go, I don't see how that applies to us, don't worry. Eventually, if it's necessary, you will see how it applies to you. But if you are someone or know someone who is of school age, today's jargon term is going to be important to you. And I, we're deliberately doing this today because we're going to be talking with Bonnie in just a second. And this is a phrase that you will hear Bonnie say all the time. So it's worthwhile going over it again. Of course, I am talking about FAPE. Now, FAPE is the word that we've decided when we put all these letters together, right? So let's take a look at what our actual definition of FAPE is. And if you're like, I don't want to know about what FAPE is, join the club. Nobody wanted to know this, but it's really useful. So FAPE is a free, appropriate public education, a term frequently referred to in IEPs. Don't you love it when definitions for one crazy anagram becomes another one? Because if you don't know what FAPE is, there's a good chance you don't know what an IEP is, right? And then you go, you just like, you can hear the toilet flushing in the background that you're just going down this endless spiral of these acronyms that <laughs> I call it alphabet land. And anytime we're dealing with education at all, oh my gosh, do people in education, I'm a former teacher and boy, they love the acronym thing, don't they? Cause it saves time. But if you're not on the in and you don't know the acronyms, you might as well be speaking a language that has never been invented, right? Okay. 
So it's a free, appropriate public education. And we use this in IEPs. An IEP is an individualized education plan or program. Um, so let's take a look at what the working definition, because you go, okay, a free, appropriate public education. I don't really see, look at how fancy Trayvon has gotten with this. Okay, so FAPE is what your child is legally entitled to in the United States. Now, this is super important, especially this week, because I have to believe that, you know, I don't get to poll every single caregiver for every single school-aged child in the United States. But when somebody writes into me from Kentucky and says, I'm having a problem, I go, oh, that's interesting. You're having a problem in a school district in Kentucky. But then when somebody writes in and says, mm, I'm having a problem in Illinois, and it's the same problem, and we haven't seen this problem come up before, I go, hmm, I feel a bell ringing somewhere. And then when a third person writes in and says, I'm in Nevada, and I'm having this very strange problem, and it is the same problem as in Illinois and in Kentucky, then I have to go, I think I'm seeing a trend. And there is this very scary trend that is happening this week uh, that I see in the United States about fate. And that the excuse that's being used is COVID. Well, we're in COVID. So I'm so excited that Bonnie's going to be here later on to help all of us. You know, the Ileana Benson thing about heal yourself. Uh, Bonnie's going to be here. We can heal ourselves from this because, um, of course, if you've been watching the show, you know that in the middle of COVID, the Department of Education put out a memo that said, even though it's COVID, you don't get to skimp on this. So COVID is never an excuse not to give this. And yet we are getting daily messages from people around the country saying that their child basically, and we'll explain what FAPE is, but are being denied FAPE and that the excuse that's being given is, well, it's COVID. Mm -mm, sorry, Department of Education said you can't say that that's an excuse. So FAPE is a free, appropriate public education. Now that sounds super simple free appropriate public education. Let's dissect the words. Free means it can't cost you anything. Appropriate, well, that's gonna be the difficult word, right? Public means that it's part of your public school system and education is that your child is gonna be taught, right? So, so the word that really is the sticky one is appropriate. And your child is entitled to a free appropriate public education, but we have to decide what is appropriate. And that's what happens at the IEP. And the IEP, if your child is entitled to an IEP, or if you are entitled to an IEP, because I think we have some teenagers watching, um, that means that we are going to look at this individual and say, what is right for them at this time? We don't just guess. Assessments are done to see where the person is. And then we come to an agreement about what we should be working on, where we should be working on it, how we should be working on it, and how we will measure if it's working, and who will be responsible for measuring and reporting, and what accommodations we have to make in order for that to happen, and what special services we need to put in to make that happen. So all of that's going to be in the, the IEP, and it's going to decide what is appropriate. For this individual. And after this is all worked up, then all the parties sign. And guess what? It becomes a legal document. 
that has to be followed. So if your child has an IEP and it says in the IEP that your child for the next school year um, is going to attend school and, and it'll say what their placement is. Are they in general education or are they in a special day class? And it will note that. And then it will say things like um, your child will have 320 minutes of speech therapy and that will be delivered in a one-on-one -on -one setting uh, and it'll say, is it a, uh, is, are they going to take them outside of class or are they going to come into class and do it in class? Because the taking out is a pullout and the coming into class is a push in where the speech teacher comes to the class to work on something, right? They'll list all of these different things. And that becomes your child's, once you agree upon it, that becomes FAPE. Now, the, the big sticking point is if something goes wrong. And so if they didn't, you know, they didn't offer you something that was appropriate or they, they offered and you signed the IEP and then they failed to deliver it, then we say that there was a denial of FAPE and that is legally actionable. And Bonnie can talk with us about all of this. So, but that means that you can go in front of a judge and say, my child was denied their legal right, which is FAPE is going to be different in an IEP for each and every child. But if your child in their IEP, their signed IEP, had speech and they were supposed to in the year school calendar school year of 20, uh, 2019, well, let's say 2020 to 2021, they were supposed to have 320 minutes of speech and they got zero minutes of speech, then they have to provide you with compensatory education because they legally had to provide you with that speech. So they have to give you either make it up or give you a check for you to go to someplace else. And that's compensatory education. But here's what's been happening that we've been seeing the last couple of weeks is that people have been telling me either they moved or their child was starting kindergarten. They started the process in March and said, we're enrolling our child. We want our child to be enrolled. School's been in session for two weeks and their child is not enrolled. And they're saying, well, it's COVID, we can't do that. Districts in different states are doing this, which tells me it's a little bit of a problem. Well, that's a denial of fate. When they won't enroll your child, that's a denial of fate. So everybody's entitled to FAPE, right? You have to qualify for an IEP. And we've talked about what a qualifying diagnosis for an IEP is before, but autism is a qualifying diagnosis. We also have seen this alarming trend where, especially because kids are being diagnosed later, we see this alarming trend where people say, well, you have uh, a qualifying diagnosis. We have the IEP meeting meeting um, and we do an assessment and we determine that your child does not qualify for an IEP because they don't have an educational need. And we'll have Bonnie talk about this maybe a little bit, but that is a big negatory that no, don't let them get away with that. Because uh, especially if your child, no matter what age, but they get away with it a lot when a child is older and they'll say your child's been doing fine in school all these years and they don't need an IEP. But especially as the child gets older, you're about to need an ITP. And, and they're always supposed to be working on your child transitioning when they leave. So even if it's social skills, they will say, oh, we don't work on that. That's, mm -mm 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 -mm. that's part of your child's free appropriate public education. 
Uh, Keith says, such an apt topic for my kid's situation today. Love the show and for all the good works. Thank you. Keith, if you've got a question, I got an expert coming up in the next few minutes. So write in your question and we'll give it to Bonnie. Uh, tell us what's happening. So uh, faith, it's an amazing thing. We didn't always have it. This was not always a thing. This became a thing uh, as part of the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, because before that, it used to be that if you had a child who was differently abled, uh, or if your child was neurodivergent, it was on you. Everybody else in the neighborhood, all the kitties went off to school and your child sat at home with you. And a lot of people worked a lot. We've had some of them here on the show to make sure that that didn't happen. All we have to do is make sure that we fight for our children to have faith. That's hard enough, but at least somebody did the hard work for us to begin with. So faith, pretty important. Okay, let's move on then to our question of the day. Our question, I'm out of breath, my goodness. Uh, our question for you today, and this is a good time to have this question because everybody's back in school. Some of you have been back for a month some of you for a couple of weeks, some of you for just a week, but is your school getting it done? I love to check in with everybody because uh, you know, I'm, I'm a former teacher. I first, I taught college and then after 9-11, I went and taught high school. And I had, and even before, when I first got out of college, before I had my master's degree, I taught high school for a little while. And I love teaching. Teaching is like my favorite thing, right? Uh, I love to, as they say, uh, ignite uh, children's imagination, their hearts and minds, right? Uh, and teens as well, love that. And I taught college, love, still love that. Um, but I've been in enough school situations, enough teaching situations to know that sometimes things go awry and people don't always know what to do. Um, I, didn't, I didn't go to school to be an educator so I wasn't afraid to ask questions. The first time that I went into a teaching situation, I had students that I saw very quickly were dyslexic. And I had not been trained in how to teach. I was teaching English at that point. And I was like, I don't, I, I, I know nothing about dyslexia. So, but I felt empowered to go ask a bunch of questions and to find out. And that was how I was able to help my students. I find that a lot of, I, my college roommate, oddly enough, was somebody who uh, went to school to be a special education reading specialist. Um, and so she had gone through that whole process. And, uh, and I called her and asked a million questions. I was like, oh, what do I do about this? And what do I do about this? And what do I do about that? And she said, you know, it's so funny because teachers sometimes who've been through the education program are afraid to ask questions. I know great teachers who aren't afraid to ask questions, but there's a lot to know. Um, and when each individual soul comes into your classroom, you kind of got to start over getting to know them and to see what's right for them. It's not an easy job, right? So I want to say that out the gate. However, when you're on the other side of the equation, and I've been on both sides, I've been, a, been in an IEP meeting on both sides, right? It's, a, it's important as parents that we don't let up. We got to be kind, we got to be just, but we got to be a dog on a pork chop. And if something isn't working, we can't sit back and wait. We got to get in there. We got to ask questions. We got to call a new IEP meeting. We got to maybe get an advocate or an attorney like Bonnie, and we got to get involved. Don't, 
don't have, it's the same as with autism, right? If, if you're thinking that your child has autism and you're like, oh, I don't know if they do, I don't know whether to go get a diagnosis or not, don't hesitate. Go see a doctor and, and find out what you can find out. Don't be afraid of labels. Same thing with school. If something doesn't feel like it's working right, don't have the mindset of, well, I'm sure it'll straighten itself out. We'll just give that time. That almost never has been shown to be effective. So if your school isn't getting it done, jump in there. My biggest regret is that there was one year that I went to a meeting with the teacher the day before school started, and it was clear that she was going to be difficult. And I remember talking to somebody, and they were like, you should change that teacher right now. Don't even start with her. Go back in and ask them for the other teacher. And I was like, no, I'm going to give her a chance. And and I stayed on her uh, and I had the administrators stay on her and I thought that I was managing it. And there was a, uh, there was a time in February, I was like, this is bad and she is not taking direction and we should do something. And somebody said, you should change right now. And I was like, eh, it's February. We're close enough to the end of the year. And I didn't change. Um, it's my biggest regret, really. Because when it was all said and done and I knew everything that I could know that was going on, I was sorry that I had subjected my child to that for an entire school year. And can I just tell you, we had to spend the next entire school year rebuilding up his self-esteem because of that witch. And I don't say that lightly, you know, because I love me some teachers, but, you know, I hope she knows how much I dislike her. Uh <laughs> Is that terrible? I love I love to love everybody, but a teacher who wants to tear a child down, I don't know for I don't know for giggles. I don't know, um, but you know, biggest regret I didn't go. Mm, we're not gonna play in your sandbox, uh, witchy poo. Parker says one question. My county says that you can be suspended for not wearing a mask. I am not of school age anymore, but I hope that fellow people on the spectrum are not affected by it. You know I here's the thing with those kinds of rules. Uh, as a society, we always have rules to govern so we don't have chaos, right? Because you can see right now we have pockets of chaos, right? Um, so they make a rule. There are always exceptions to rules. And, and if not, there are people who fight for the exception to rules. So I would say to you that what we're seeing almost across the board is that you can, if there's a medical reason why, you can get an exemption from things like wearing a mask. You can. Uh, it's hard because the general public will walk by and judge you, right? But you can get an exemption. But I want to say to you with love that we heard at the very beginning of this when everybody was so concerned the first go round with masks and everybody was like, "My, you know, I'm not going to be able to do it. My child's not going to be able to do it. And I know I put one on and I, and I went outside to work in the garden and I could not breathe. I, I thought I'm going to pass out. I can't do this. I felt claustrophobic. I didn't think I was going to get through it. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, we have little ones on the spectrum that are sensory. Like they're not going to be able to do this. But what we've seen across the board is even the toughest case where we were a hundred percent sure they weren't going to be able to do it. That if we use the principles of ABA and systematic desensitization and gave rewards and did it slowly and said, you only have to put it on for three seconds and you get a reward. And then an hour later to put it on for four seconds and really went that slow, every single person across the spectrum so far that we've seen worked with in this kind of a way 
is now at the point where they're comfortably wearing their masks all the time. Like it's really kind of amazing and a really a testament to the fact that the principles of ABA really can work if you're doing it right. And, and for even something that seems like, man, that can't happen. Right. So I do want to say, and, and the whole, you know, I don't want to get all political here, but the whole reason behind the masks is to protect people. And what we know for sure at this point in the program is that people who have compromised immune systems, which that's a lot of people on the autism spectrum, will be less likely to get the virus or get it in an extreme way if there is a mask covering. I, I, I think that that has been, I mean, I've seen the studies. I see the anecdotal of things that are happening. If you doubt that, I can point to things that you can look at to see that it does lessen the risk. So I, I want to encourage you, Parker, that, you know, I think that there is a way to get an exemption for the mask, but I also think that there's a way to make the mask work, which is the whole point. Uh, okay. We've got a question for Bonnie coming up. That's fabulous. I'm going to move on to our topic of the week. Uh, yes. IDE, IDEA then and now. So um, it's, you know, it's wonderful. If you go back in our archives, we've done some interviews with Tony Quello. And Tony Quello was one of the original authors of the Americans with Disabilities Act. He used to be a California representative and he had an accident when he, I, I want to say he was a teenager and then uh, has epilepsy. And this was a really important Thing to him. And he came on and talked uh, pretty passionately about IDEA. Um, it's so important that we walk the talk that we all, I think that I, I don't know anybody who says, oh, we should exclude people. Uh, I'm sure that there are people out there. I just don't know them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so I think we all agree there. I think it's, it's when it comes down to the practicalities of it, that's when it gets hard. Because the truth of the matter of IDEA is that it is never, it's, it's the law, it's there, we can all rely upon it, we can all quote it, we can all fight, we can all do all kinds of things. But the reality is it's not fully funded. So that would be like me saying to all of you, hey, we're going to give free ice cream cones to everybody in the country, but I only have enough ice, I only have enough funding to buy enough ice cream for 40% of the world to get free ice cream. So it's kind of, I, I want to say this delicately, it's, it's BS, right? Um, because if we don't fund it, then we didn't really give it a fighting chance. And, and the truth of the matter of why schools suffer so greatly right now and why caregivers have to fight so hard to get what is legally their child's right is because there's no funding for it. We've heard from many different people along the way that they were going to fund it. Yes, yes, yes. And while we were in the primary and then the election process, I tried to bring you guys information about what the candidates were saying about IDEA. And it is part of Biden's platform when he was running that he was going to fully fund, not just fully fund IDEA, but funded at 110%. And um, so, you know, we wait. 
It is not yet funded. Now, are there other issues? Yes, there are other issues. And there is a mess right now in the Department of Education because of COVID. And they have to sort all that out. And I don't think that those problems are over. But I'm saying this to all of you because I hope that you will help me as, as keeping this on our current president's agenda. Uh, at some point, we might have to start a letter writing campaign to Jill Biden, who is a teacher, who we all were like, well, somebody reasonable will have the ear of the president. And, and he said he was going to do it. So I'm like, hey, Biden, show us the money. Uh, and I'm going to be on that like a, a dog on a pork chop until it happens. Uh, because until that happens, we are going to continue. Uh, the people who lose are the children in the classrooms. And, and it's not just them, though. Uh, it is all the students around them. And it is the teachers and everybody in the staff. But the first and foremost person who loses is the person who uh, has the right to that free, appropriate public education. So there I am. Soapbox for the day. Uh, come on, Joe, hear, hear us. I know you got other things you're dealing with right now, but you promised. So let's show us the money, right? Show us the money. Uh, sometime when it's safe, if we have to, we'll, we'll make signs and protest, right? Okay. Uh, so having said all that, I don't know if Bonnie, is Bonnie there and waiting? I just haven't seen her yet. Traven, is she in there? Uh, if she is, let's bring her in here because Bonnie Yates is an amazing special education attorney. She is with a law firm, Tolner Law Offices. Oh, she's not there. Okay, well, I'm going to keep talking. In the meantime, and can you make sure that she has the right, um, I don't have an email from her. Can you make sure that she has the right code to come in, Traven? Um, so Keith has said goals. Oh, I'm going to go back because I think you wrote in a couple of times, Keith. Uh, might be a good question for Bonnie. We've got a good IEP, but school isn't implementing it. Yeah. Uh, not allowing for assistive tech to be used in class, well-written goals, but no progress reports. Uh, IDEA, oh, that's Parker. IDEA is good thing. Without IDEA, I would not have been able to have a fair try at education. Thank you, Parker, for that, because I think that's super important. Uh, but Keith goes on to say, goals aren't built into lesson plans. How much weight do hearing officers put on goal results? How do you prove a tough case where the paperwork looks good at first glance, but kiddo is warehoused with, uh, with straight A's? Okay. Uh, you're in California. Has a diagnosis of autism, ADHD. Uh, great. Fabulous. So uh, one of the things that I'm going to recommend for you here, Keith, and we'll get if when Bonnie, if and when we get Bonnie, there might be a problem. She might have been called away. Even when we get Bonnie, um, she can talk to you a little bit about this. But I would encourage you to reach out to Bonnie if you're in the state of California. She's licensed in the state of California. And you will have to fill out some paperwork, but she will give you a free consultation that will be worth its weight in gold. Uh, and you can decide after that whether you want to continue with her or just go with what she tells you, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that if you have it written down that, you know, they have an IEP, they have a responsibility to give you progress reports. And that alone is, is going to be actionable that there are no progress reports. So, um, but, you know, one of the things that, look, there are some times that you can go in and you can do this on your own, right? And, and having a consultation with a really good lawyer like Bonnie can help you to know what to go in to say and what not to go in and say. And, and please know 
you absolutely can go in and do things on your own. However, it's that much quicker when you go in with an attorney because they know you mean business. And there is a cost associated with attorney, but I always say to people, your time has a, a cost as well. And your child's time has a cost as well. And that usually I tell people at least once in your child's trajectory, you should have a little bit of start trying to put savings for a little bit of money so that you can afford a lawyer one time. I've seen people go in and have the lawyer when they start school at kindergarten. And it's like all your IEPs are fine after that because they know you mean business. And, you know, like I said, I worked on the other side of the table and it's not, it's not as specific as them saying, well, we know this family isn't going to fight. It's the other way. They go, well, we know that family's going to fight. So what we want, we need to make sure we cross the T and dot the I um, and get it right the first time. Cause otherwise it's going to cost them their time. So I do think that having a lawyer or an advocate is really beneficial. And you're in California. For those of you who aren't in California, Bonnie always recommends copaa.net or.org. Um, that, um, that that's a great place. It's the council of parent advocates and attorneys, and they're all people who get it because they've had kids go through the system too. So, uh, while we cannot attest to each and every person on copaa.net or.org, um, I think, you know, you can find really good people there. You'll have to do your own vetting. Um, but that's a good place to hunt wherever you are, whatever state. But if you're in California, Bonnie is amazing. Um, and you can do the free consultation with her, but, um, they cannot, if not, if, if assistive technology is in the IEP, they cannot deny it. Um, and if it's, if the goal is written in a way that your child has access to assistive technology, they cannot, uh, <laughs> I had that problem. My son was in junior high one year and he had to turn in his IEP. It said that he could type all of his assignments because his handwriting, he should be a doctor is all I can tell you. And then at the end of the school year, he had to turn the computer back in the laptop that he would take to every class. So he comes back after the fall and we're like, when, when is he getting back his, his computer? And, you know, we, you know, the first week it was only two days in, in the, the week and uh, he didn't have the computer. And I was like, where's the computer? Now he has a computer at home. He was doing the assignments at home, but he would normally take his notes on his computer. And I was like, do I, I called and I was like, do I need to send him with his computer? Is there a problem with the computer? Why? You know? And they were like, no, we just can't locate it. And, and I was a little too patient every day that my child did not have that computer. He was being denied faith. It was in his document that he was entitled to that. And I don't know whether it was Bonnie or somebody else who said to me, you know, if, if it had been a wheelchair that my child needed and they just said, oh, sorry, we don't have the wheelchair. Would I have let that go? And finally, I had to go over there and stand in the office and say, I'm going to stand here until you give him a computer and I have my lawyer on speed dial. How, and you know what? It took them less than 15 minutes to find the computer. Um, it is a denial of faith. They are denying your child access to their education if they are not allowing them the assistive technology. You, you're nice and you put things in writing and you say to them, but if you, you put an email out to them and you say uh, you are uh, not compliant with the IEP, it states very clearly on page two of the IEP, he is entitled to this. 
please advise me um, or, you know, or do I need to involve my lawyer? Not, you know, yelling in the beginning, just saying, you know, you are in, in, um, what was the phrase I just used? Uh, You're non-compliant with the IEP and they know that's a legal term and they will go, Oh crap, we better get moving. And the no progress reports, absolutely inappropriate. So um, how much weight do hearing officers put on goal results? I don't think they put as much weight on goal results because um, here's the thing. And this is part of why schools always put manby-pamby goals in. They, um, they don't want to be held accountable for the result. But the truth of the matter is, if, if they don't get the result, what they need to do is write why they think the, the goal wasn't appropriate and what the new goal is. That's just some paperwork for them and they can do that. But the court is not say, um, you didn't get the goal result. They're not going to worry about that. What they're going to worry about is what was the way that you said you were going to do it? And did you do that? So if the goal was, um, you know, Johnny will be able to know the months of the year by this and so date. And, you know, these three months, we're going to work on these three months. And then, you know, and we have it systematic and who is responsible for that? And did they take data on it? Did they give regular progress reports to show that they did it? Okay, if we did everything we said we were going to do, and by the date Johnny still can't tell us the the months of the year, then we just have to say we're going to amend this goal and we're going to try it now and we're going to add this, this, and this with it, right? So they're not going to look at the goal, but they're going to look, did you do what you said you were going to do? So if the goal was that, you know, you were going to do that, but you never met with him and the person didn't take data and there was no progress report, they're fried. They're fried. The officers will look at that and go, well, you didn't do your job. That is a denial of faith and they'll be in 68 kinds of hot water. Does that make sense? Look at you go, Parker, putting in the things for us. So, um, but I, but the other thing I would say to you, Keith, is that if he's in eighth grade, um, I also want you to be thinking about starting his ITP process. The ITP is the individual transition plan. Um, they're going to tell you that they're not going to implement that till he's 16, but they should be working on that so that there is a plan starting to form up when he's 14. Um, so, but, but I would, it sounds like they are a mess. My question to you is, were they a mess before COVID or are they laying this all on COVID? Were they always a mess or this is just really they're struggling because it's COVID? It doesn't really matter except that, you know, it might be getting better sooner. Um, but take them to task. Um, and and I really encourage you to talk to Bonnie privately. I, Bonnie must have been held up. Otherwise, she would be here, you guys. Uh, Bradley has written in and said, we're still waiting on fiddlers for his evaluation. Feels like it's been two months. It's just so frustrating. So what I want to know, Bradley, is, is that holding you up from placement? Is, is the child in school? Have they started school? Is school saying we can't do anything until we have a new assessment? Because this is the thing that I'm seeing across the board, that people are saying, oh, we weren't able to assess, so we can't provide any services, but we'll offer you this generic thing that, 
<laughs> you know, that's not a free appropriate public education. That is a generic thing. Uh, is it that they were already in school and they had their triannual? Because we're I'm also seeing people who are saying they got an assessment online in the middle of COVID that the school did, and now the school isn't counting it themselves because they're saying it was online. It doesn't count. Uh, we're also seeing the flip of that where um, where where school is saying we would we would like to reassess in person now and parents, some parents are like, yes. And others are saying, no, we've already been through that. It's a mess. It's a hot mess. And we have to be a, this much patient because we've never been through a worldwide pandemic before. And it's new for everybody, but we must never allow their inability to figure out what to do next to hold our child back from education. And we must never allow them to use it as an excuse to hold our children back from education. We must constantly, you know, be a dog on a pork chop. That doesn't mean we yell. We save yelling <laughs> for extreme circumstances. Uh, okay. Keith says, thank you. I've done the email thing, waiting for return calls from several firms. IEP scheduled next week and school admins saying it's fine. Uh, mess since start of sixth grade. So that sounds like it was, it predates COVID then if he's going into eighth grade now. Um, I want to know what exactly the school admin is saying is fine. It doesn't sound like anything is fine. Um, they have a responsibility to report. Um, they have to give you regular reports. I think a couple of things here, Keith. Um, you know, I do think it's worthwhile to have a conversation with Bonnie or with somebody from copaa.net or org. I think you can get there either way. Um, but I definitely would start to think for yourself, what do you need to make this better? Like what, what is it that you want and get super, super clear on that? Because when you go into an IEP meeting and I've been in there in my own and I've been with other family members and, and friends, um, there's just a lot that happens and it's very easy for them to lead you down a path. But I like to go in with a letter and I can choose not to give them the letter if I decide later on not to. Um, but I just go through and I, it has like an opening statement that's super nice and professional. Like we really appreciate all the time you take to educate our child, blah, 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 blah. So that if somebody else is reading it, I sound like this really reasonable person, which is what I'm going for. Right. But then I go, so in light of, you know, where we are right now, uh, here's what my husband and I think that's appropriate for our child moving forward. Here's what we ask that you do. And I number them one. You know, when I say, here's what I want to, I think the longest one I ever had was 14 points. Um, you know, and, and I have that all signed and I have it in my folder with me when I go to the IEP. So I know I, everything that I want is on that letter. And then I sit there and I listen and I can, because I don't have, you know how sometimes you're in your head thinking about. I got to remember to say this, but I have a notepad and I make notes, right? Um, I also ask them before the IEP for all of their reports in writing 48 hours in advance so that I have time to read them. And I have those little, um, uh, the, the post-it notes that are fluorescent, that they're little arrows. And I, anytime there's something that's an error, I put it in red 
with, and so that I can just flip to it and go, oh, there's a mistake. There's a typo on page two of your report. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I do. Um, but then I have other colors. Like if I have a question, usually that's a green arrow. So, so that as they go around the room for the IEP and they're like, well, I'm the speech teacher and, you know, I know you had the report. Uh, you know, sometimes they try to read the report and I always say to them in the interest of time, I've already read it. Can I just ask questions? By the way, you have a typo on page two and on page three, I'd like to know about this, this, and this, right? And we just bang it out, moves faster, right? So the whole thing that I'm doing, and this is something I learned from Bonnie and from some other attorneys is that I'm showing them, you're not going to put things past me. I'm, I'm organized. I have it together and I have salient questions, right? Um, so, so all of this, uh, but then, and, and sometimes as we talk through things, they answer the questions and things that I had on my list, they're, they're like, oh, they're going to put that in the IEP. Good, 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 good. Um, now if I, a couple of times I've decided, oh, I'm not going to share the letter because maybe, you know, things got solved and I don't even need to say the letter, but I think maybe that was only once, but most of the time they say all of their stuff and then it's my turn. Um, and I go, okay. And I just read the letter out loud. And I say to them, obviously I wrote this letter before we talked. So some of these things have already been addressed and we're already in agreement on some of them. We're still a little bit, you know, or some of them we haven't even brought. And I just read the letter. It's so much less stress for me. That's what works for me. I encourage you to find what works for you, but I, I you know, but I find that a lot of parents go into an IEP meeting without having thought, what do I want? What do I want at the, at, when we're leaving, what would make me happy? Uh, it's very important that we recognize that it says free appropriate public education, not free best. So we have to think in terms of that. What is appropriate um, for my child right now? What is, what's appropriate? What's reasonable? What would help my child right now? What would help me help my child right now? What would help the staff help my child? Um, I, I've shared before a million times that when he was younger, I went in with some goals that I wrote about him during recess, that um, he, he was just struggling during recess. He wasn't making friends. He wasn't playing with people. He wasn't having the social interaction. And, and it was like, you know, this contentious during the uh, sometimes where he was getting into trouble during recess and we didn't want that. And so I wrote a couple of goals and said, I would like these goals in here. Part of the reason why I wanted to do that was because that's when they were, this is when he was littler and they were letting the aide take a break during recess. Cause the aide has to take a break at some point and they didn't want to pay for somebody else to fill in. But part of faith is that they have to be giving our kids an opportunity to, um, you know, have a life that is full and rich outside of school, which, you know, I would always make the argument to them, why, why is there a period, if he needs an aid, there shouldn't be a time of day when he doesn't have an aid because what did he, does he not have autism during that time? It just didn't make sense to me. So anyway, I, I brought in these two goals and they were, they were like, oh, is he struggling on the playground? Yes, I've told you before. <laughs> but then suddenly we're in an IEP meeting with the tape recorder going. Give them written notice to bring in the tape recorder, right? Um, and they said, oh, well, perhaps we should bring in, uh, we should do an assessment about leisure and recreational activities. 
and we should bring in a leisure and recreational aid. I didn't even know there was such a thing until I asked the question about those goals. So they did, they brought in somebody who did an assessment and said, yes, he needs help on the playground. And so this person then um, who was from UCLA um, consulted with the school, taught somebody what to do and would come in once a month and work with his entire general education class on recreation. Do you know, I still get compliments if I run into a teacher or a parent from that class for having that aid come in once a month because all of the kids learned how to be better friends on the playground. So don't be afraid to push. Don't be afraid to ask. Um, uh, yes, we're saying, Parker, uh, we so appreciate all of your help. So anyway, Keith, I, I hope you'll get a chance to talk to Bonnie beforehand. And um, I, I don't know, Traven, if you have the ability to put up the um, Tolner Law Office's website in the, I believe that uh, Keith is on YouTube, but if you put it on the thing, then we'll all be for him uh, for Tolner Law Offices. I think Bonnie will be super helpful to you to get ready for that IEP meeting. But I find it very interesting, Keith, that your school admin's saying it's fine. Uh, that worries me more than anything else. I think sometimes they say those things to appease us and, um, you know, in the hope, there it is, right on the screen, Tolner Law Offices, so the, uh, the email address for those of you listening in podcast, specialeducationcouncil.com. When you go there, they have the different lawyers, just send the message directly to Bonnie, tell her that we sent you over. She's going to ask you for paperwork. And it's, you know, I mean, it's the paperwork is the least fun thing ever, um, but it will help her to be able to give you some good answers in a free consultation. So um, wonderful, 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 wonderful. And then uh, Parker also gave her direct email, but it's in Facebook, so I don't think he can see it there. It's bgates at tolnerlawoffices.com so that Bonnie can really help you. But I, I want to say the best advice, well, I don't know, because Bonnie gave me such, over the years, such amazing advice for IEPs. But the best advice I got from another parent, let's say this, was a dad. And there was a day when I was going to an IEP meeting and it, I just, like, I was just so, oh, you know, it's like, ah, oh, like you just, as a, as a caregiver, there's a weight that comes with it because you know that it's an opportunity for you to do right by your child, or it's an opportunity to miss something. Right. And I would always get migraines right around IEPs because I was so afraid I was going to do something, miss some little thing. And he was going to be cheated from something because I didn't know, or I forgot or whatever. So I carried that stress with me and I was leaving the office and I was all fatutzed about it. And this parent happened to be visiting and he said, are you okay? You seem really stressed. And I said, you could bounce a quarter off my head. I'm on the way to an IEP meeting. And he said, oh, IEP meetings, Kabuki theater. <laughs> you know what? I went, what? And, you know, I, my MFA is in theater. So I know what Kabuki theater is, but I was like, Kabuki theater and IEPs are nothing alike. Why would you say? And he said, oh, no, no, they're exactly alike. Because in Kabuki theater, you put on a mask. 
and the mask shows an angry face or the mask shows a concerned face or the mask shows a passive face, whatever it is. But the actor beneath it doesn't have to do that because the mask does it for them and they show it in their body, but it, you know, inside the actor's fine. And he said, that's all an IEP meeting is. You put on your mask and you go in and you act like you're a very stern person who is kind and considerate and empathetic, but who, you know, you're not going to put one past me. And you can say, we all just play our roles. And, you know, you say to them, mm, that's not appropriate. And you shake your head and, and you point to the paper and go, here's what we want. And he said, it always works out in the end. It always works. If you're, if you stick to your guns, it always works out in the end because the law is on your side. And if you keep saying no and follow the law, you really don't have to get upset on the inside, but wear the mask, wear the mask that you're the concerned parent, but you know, you really don't have to, you don't have to eat your stomach lining is basically what he said to me. And then anytime after that, that I went to an IEP meeting, I just told myself, I don't have to get upset. I can just play the role of the parent who, you know, has the stern eyebrows. Uh, I don't have to really feel it. And that helped me a lot. And uh, now my child's in college. Uh, it's very exciting. Uh, okay. So I wish you the best, Keith, eighth grade, big opportunity. This is like set them up for success. Let that school district know you're serious business uh, and you're, you're on the job. All right. We're way past time, but I thank you all for being here. We're back tomorrow. Uh, let's talk autism with Shannon and Nancy. Nancy Oswald Jackson will be here along with Leah Hirschfeld, who's got research for us. That is really awesome. Plus in the news, we're going to be covering some fascinating news this week. So you're not going to want to miss up that until then, please give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.